0: This is Mark Vines, and welcome to The Mark Vines Show, and thanks for joining us once again for your Beacon of Truth and all things conservative all the time. And folks, I just want to get right into it today, because yesterday was the verdict of the Derek Chauvin trial, and of course he was found guilty on all counts that were charged. And as I predicted a long time ago, if you listen to this program, I predicted that that was exactly what was going to happen And I had confidence that Derek Chauvin was going to be convicted on whatever he was charged with, not necessarily every count, but I knew that uh, he wasn't going to be walking as a free man, and that's a very good thing, because I want to make this very, very clear to you that no one, I do not know anyone, and chances are you don't know of anyone, that thought that he should see the light of day after what he did. That was a criminal act that he committed. I've said that before, I'll say it again, and I'll continue to say it. It was a criminal act, and he needed to be punished for him. And the real crime is that he is somebody that was on the department's radar for quite some time, and it demonstrated a lack of leadership in not getting rid of him prior to the time that you know the, all of this happened and he was taken into custody. Because he should have never been a police officer, and once he became a police officer, he sh- certainly should not have stayed there for as long as he did, not based on the complaints and what we know about him. That was a lack of leadership, and that's what I wanted to talk about today because you have to take the Chauvin trial and what happened with George Floyd and the tragedy that was uh, the death of George Floyd and look at how this is being politicized because you didn't have to wait long. Um, In fact, it was immediately after the the, uh, conviction that uh Vice President uh, Kamala Harris and the president you know President Biden came out and had to make their statements and and I'm going to play for you today the clip of the press conference and I think it's important to hear the press conference, because in it, if you understand statement analysis and you listen very, very closely, you see why they're doing what they're doing, you see what the plan is, and you see what the plan moving forward for the country is. And they really lay out a lot about their agenda in this particular speech, which was given under the cover of celebrating the conviction of Derek Chauvin. But there's a lot more there than meets the eye, and we're going to talk about that. So, Let's go ahead and do that. I want to go ahead and play this clip. It's a bit long, folks, and I know it's long, and I apologize for that up front, but you've got to hear it. You've got to hear from them in their own words what they plan on doing with this country because it's pretty devious, but at the same time, it's pretty slick. I got to hand it to you Democrats that are out there and you listen to the show. You guys are very, very good at getting your way. And they talk about what they're going to do right here. So uh, this is immediately after Derek Chauvin's conviction. And why don't you take a listen to your vice president and your president of the United States and see what they had to say.
1: For your steadfastness, today we feel a sigh of relief. Still, it cannot take away the pain. A measure of justice isn't the same as equal justice. This verdict brings us a step closer And, the fact is, we still have work to do. We still must reform the system. Last summer, together with Senator Cory Booker and Representative Karen Bass, I introduced the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. This bill would hold law enforcement accountable and help build trust between law enforcement and our communities. This bill is part of George Floyd's legacy. The President and I will continue to urge the Senate to pass this legislation, not as a panacea for every problem, but as a start. This work is long overdue. America has a long history of systemic racism. Black Americans, and black men in particular, have been treated throughout the course of our history as less than human. Black men are fathers, and brothers, and sons, and uncles, and grandfathers, and friends, and neighbors. Their lives must be valued in our education system, in our health care system, in our housing system, in our economic system in our criminal justice system, in our nation. Full stop. Because of smartphones, so many Americans have now seen the racial injustice that black Americans have known for generations, the racial injustice that we have fought for generations, that my parents protested in the 1960s, that millions of us, Americans of every race, protested last summer. Here's the truth about racial injustice. It is not just a Black America problem or a people of color problem. It is a problem for every American. It is keeping us from fulfilling the promise of liberty and justice for all. And it is holding our nation back from realizing our full potential. We are all a part of George Floyd's legacy. And our job now is to honor it and to honor him. Thank you. And now it is my great honor to introduce the President of the United States, Joe Biden.
2: Today, a jury in Minnesota found former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin guilty on all counts in the murder of George Floyd last May. It was a murder in the full light of day, and it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see, the systemic racism the Vice President just referred to. There was systemic racism as a stain on our nation's soul. The knee on the neck of justice for black Americans. Profound fear and trauma. The pain, the exhaustion that black and brown Americans experience every single day. The murder of George Floyd launched a summer of protest. We hadn't seen since the civil rights era in the 60s. Protests that unified people of every race and generation. In peace and with purpose to say enough. Enough. Enough of the senseless killings. Today, today's verdict is a step forward. I just spoke with the governor of Minnesota, who thanked me for the close work with his team. And I also spoke with George Floyd's family again. A remarkable family of extraordinary courage. Nothing can ever bring their brother, their father back. But this can be a giant step forward in the march toward justice in America. Let's also be clear that such a verdict is also much too rare. For so many people, it seems like it took a unique and extraordinary convergence of factors A brave young woman with a smartphone camera. A crowd that was traumatized. Traumatized witnesses. A murder that lasts almost 10 minutes in broad daylight for ultimately the whole world to see. Officers standing up and testifying against a fellow officer instead of just closing ranks, which should be commended. A jury who heard the evidence carried out their civic duty in the midst of an extraordinary moment under extraordinary pressure. For so many, it feels like it took all of that for the judicial system to deliver a just, just basic accountability. We saw how traumatic and exhausting just watching the trial was for so many people. Think about it, those of you are listening. Think about how traumatic it was for you. You weren't there. You didn't know any of the people. But it was difficult, especially for the witnesses who had to relive that day. It's a trauma. On top of the fear so many people of color live with every day when they go to sleep at night and pray for the safety of themselves and their loved ones. Again, as we saw in this trial from the fellow police officers who testified, most men and women who wear the badge serve their communities honorably. But those few who fail to meet that standard must be held accountable, and they were today. One was. No one should be above the law. And today's verdict sends that message. But it's not enough We can't stop here. In order to deliver real change and reform, we can and we must do more to reduce the likelihood that tragedies like this will ever happen and occur again, to ensure that black and brown people, or anyone, so they don't fear the interactions with law enforcement, that they don't have to wake up knowing that they can lose their very life in the course of just living their life. They don't have to worry about whether their sons or daughters will come home after a grocery store run or just walking down the street or driving their car or playing in the park or just sleeping at home. And this takes acknowledging and confronting, head-on, systemic racism and the racial disparities that exist in policing and in our criminal justice system more broadly. You know, state and local government and law enforcement needs to step up, but so does the federal government. That's why I've appointed the leadership of the Justice Department that I have, that is fully committed to restoring trust between law enforcement and the community they are sworn to serve and protect. I have complete confidence in the Attorney General, General Garland's leadership and commitment. I've also nominated two key Justice Department nominees, Vanita Gupta and Kristen Clark, who are eminently qualified, highly respected lawyers who have spent their entire careers fighting to advance racial equity and justice. Vanita and Kristen have the experience and the skill necessary to advance our administration's priorities to root out unconstitutional policing and reform our criminal justice system, and they deserve to be confirmed. We also need Congress to act. George Floyd was murdered almost a year ago. There's meaningful police reform legislation in his name. You just heard the vice president speak of it. She helped write it. Legislation to tackle systemic misconduct in police departments, to restore trust between law enforcement and the people they are entrusted to serve and protect. But it shouldn't take a whole year to get this done my conversations with the Floyd family, I spoke to them again today, I assure them we're going to continue to fight for the passage of the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act so can, I can sign into law as quickly as possible. And there's more to do. Finally, it's the work we do every day to change hearts and minds as well as laws and policies. That's the work we have to do. Only then, will full justice and full equality be delivered to all Americans? And that's what I just discussed with the Floyd family. The guilty verdict does not bring back George. But through the family's pain, they're finding purpose. So George's, George's legacy will not be just about his death, but about what we must do in his memory. I also spoke to Gianna, George loves George's young daughter, again. When I met her last year, I've said this before, at George's funeral, I told her how brave I thought she was. And I sort of knelt down to hold her hand. I said, Daddy's looking down on you. He's so proud. She said to me then, I'll never forget it, Daddy changed the world. I told her this afternoon, Daddy did change the world. Let that be his legacy, a legacy of peace, not violence, of justice. Peaceful expression of that legacy are inevitable and appropriate, but violent protest is not. And there are those who will seek to exploit the raw emotions of the moment, agitators and extremists who have no interest in social justice, who seek to carry out violence, destroy property, fan the flames of hate and division, they do everything in their power to stop this country's march toward racial justice. We can't let them succeed. This is a time for this country to come together, to unite as Americans. There can never be any safe harbor for hate in America. I've said it many times. The battle for soul of this nation has been a constant push and pull for more than 240 years. A tug of war between the American ideal that we're all created equal and the harsh reality that racism has long torn us apart. At our best, the American ideal wins out. So we can't leave this moment or look away thinking our work is done. We have to look at it, we have to We've look as, as we did for those 9 minutes and 29 seconds. We have to listen. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Those are George Floyd's last words. We can't let those words die with him. We have to keep hearing those words. We must not turn away. We can't turn away. We have a chance to begin to change the trajectory. In this country, it's my hope and prayer that we live up to the legacy. May God bless you, but may God bless the F- George Floyd and his family. Thank you for taking the time to be here. This can be a moment of significant change. Thank you.
0: So again, that was a long clip, but I want to unpack it a bit because there's a lot in there that. deserves some discussion. Okay. So you have Kamala Harris coming in and she only spoke for about three minutes and she teed up Joe Biden because he was really going to deliver the punchline as to what the Democrats plan on doing. So she goes in and I'm giving you some quotes from this. She says a measure of justice is not the same as equal justice. And so everything that the Biden administration is going to be doing is going to be under the cloak of, we need to have equal justice in the United States. Now, Uh, Let me address that here for a second. Uh, What you saw play out with the Chauvin trial was, in fact, justice. That was our justice system as envisioned by our founding fathers. And this was it. This was the courtroom. This is where evidence was presented. Witnesses came in, and they ended up convicting this man. What you don't want to have happen is mob rule, which if the Democrats had their way— that's exactly what would happen. You can't have congress people going out and stirring up trouble and telling the citizens of a town that if they don't give you the verdict that you want that you're going to burn down the city. We can't do that. We we cannot tolerate that. You know, lady justice is blind. That's why when you look at the statue of lady justice, she has a blindfold on. This is we don't predict outcomes. We don't wish for outcomes. We wish that the system was will work for um, justice. And that's what we want because that's the way that the system was envisioned in the first place. And she says we still must reform the system and, um, and hold law enforcement accountable. Well, I don't know. I thought that's what that trial was. I mean, wasn't that w- what we did with Derek Chauvin? He was held accountable. I mean, you understand this guy is going to spend years in prison. In fact, there's a good chance he's going to spend the rest of his natural life in prison. The system worked. Was he not arrested? Was he not put on trial? Was he not convicted? Are we not now awaiting sentencing? What didn't work in this? I, I'm confused. And we had riots prior to the trial occurring. Why were there riots? What were they looking for? What, what should have been done that wasn't done that the liberals wanted? That's confusing to me. So we have to hold law enforcement accountable. And that's exactly what happened. Now, you and I both know that what they mean by that is that every officer in every shooting needs to be convicted of a crime. But that's not going to happen, nor should that happen, because they're not all crimes. In many cases, they are justified shootings. Now, there was nothing justified about what Derek Chauvin did. Nothing justified about it. I want to be very clear about that. But every case is treated on its own merits, in its own circumstances, and its own evidence. But we have to be careful of the mob rule. And then she says that uh, America has a long history of systemic racism. And, okay, well, that doesn't mean that that's occurring today. I'm getting a little sick and tired of people saying that we have systemic racism today. And uh, I was just talking to a college professor last week that actually said that, you know, um, the, the system that we have in place now is the same system that was used to keep slaves in slavery back in the 1860s. And I, I find that just a wholly bizarre statement because um, most of the people that I've worked with over the years couldn't even tell me what years the civil war (laughs) took place or who the president was at the time and to get into deeper details like you know what they're doing now is somehow akin to what police officers were doing in the 1860s to keep slaves in place is just it's just bizarre to me because most americans can't tell most americans can't tell you what century the World War Two occurred in? And to think that people are getting that deep into thought is just ridiculous. People get out and do their jobs every day. They really do. And I, and listen, between the military and law enforcement, I've, I've been working for you know over 32 years. Much of that, uh, well over 20 of, of that, closer to 25 years, was in law enforcement. And not once, not once did I ever go to a shift or get in a car or uh, go and work with a police officer. And we said to ourselves, you know what we're going to do tonight? you know what we're going to do? We're going to go out and jack up some black people. That never happened. I've, I've never heard of it happening. It never happened in my presence, and I've never certainly never heard anybody talk about it, even as a joke. So uh, I, this is just ridiculous, and this is just race-baiting as far as I'm concerned. And... Um, and then she goes on to say that it's so many Americans have seen the racial injustice, and uh, I would actually argue that most, most people don't witness racial injustice out there practiced by law enforcement every single day. Do you see individual cases of it? Yeah, I think um, you know we we have seen that in the past, and we've dealt with that. And oh, by the way. Um, Maybe you can help me with this, uh, my, my dear audience here. Uh, can, can any of you that watched the trial tell me how many times race was brought up as an issue in this case? Can any, any of you? Because as far as I know, race was never brought up, not once in this case. You know why? Because it wasn't a racially motivated case. Derek Chauvin, and I said it before and I will say it again, Derek Chauvin was a bully. He was somebody that had no business being a police officer. He wasn't psychologically fit to be an an officer. But I don't believe he was a racist. I believe he was just a jerk who killed someone. And chances are he would have done the same thing to me if I was in the same situation. So don't bring race into arguments where race doesn't belong in the argument. It is okay just to say that somebody's a bad person. Now, but I know why Democrats don't do that. Because it doesn't fit the narrative. Doesn't fit the narrative, and it doesn't fit for what Joe Biden has in store for America. And so, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's just get to what he was driving towards. So he said once again that we are suffering from systemic racism. So this term systemic racism now is permeating into every aspect of our society. In fact, um, I'm in another graduate course right now. I'm, I'm working on a on a second um, graduate degree and. I don't know how many times the term systemic racism has been brought into classes that I'm taking, into the academic side of what I'm doing. That seems to be the the word of the, the month here is systemic racism, and it permeates into everything. And Joe Biden went on to say that uh, people of color face this racism every single day. Now, Really? Really, you're telling me that if you're a person of color, by the way, my wife is a person of color. You're telling me that she faces this every single day. It's funny because we've never talked about it as a couple. And uh, is it possible that people have instances of racism in their life? Yeah, yeah, that's possible. But every day? I don't know, Joe. I find that kind of hard to believe. And then he said that the protests were peace. Peace, uh, peaceful and, and had purpose. Um, I don't know. I was kind of witnessing riots. There was nothing peaceful about these protests. In fact, I wouldn't even call them protests. No, they, Joe, they were more like riots. Um, protests, nobody gets hurt at. In riots, buildings are burned down, businesses are burned down, and people are hurt and killed. And that's exactly what those were all last year, and he said this could be a, a giant step forward. Now we're getting closer to what the Democrats want. The giant step forward. If those of you that are familiar with the Khmer Rouge or any of the uh, old like Cambodian um, uh, Reds, you know the the communists that took over in Cambodia and in other parts of the world where you have communists. That's a big. Big phrase that they use, they but they they call it the great leap forward. Now he's calling it the giant step forward. So, but that's very very Marxist of you, Joe. But he's talking about that. But again, he's sort of pointing towards what it is that he's getting at for the country. And he said it took all of us, um, all of just that, to deliver a just verdict. So what he's saying here is that if it had not been for all the protests or riots, however you want to look at it, last year plus the the riots that were occurring prior to the reading of the verdict. What he's saying is that had had it not been for those riots, there would have been no just outcome. Hmm. Because I believe the jury delivered that outcome. I don't think the protests had anything to do with it. And really, do we want people out protesting the mob, actually burning down cities, trying to pressure a particular outcome in a case? Is that really what we want in our justice system? I don't think it's what I want. And I don't think that most of you out there, the the constitutionalists out there, want that either. And um, Joe goes on to say that uh, the people fear that uh, people of color fear um, to live every day. And then he said that no one should be above the law. Now, I find that kind of interesting coming from him, because he has screwed it, <laughs> the law for nearly 50 years. And, um, you know, of course, his son is uh, under investigation, and, and there's ample evidence that Joe Biden is involved in all kinds of fraud uh, with all sorts of countries around the world where he's been on the take, And but yet he's saying that no one is above the law. So... If uh, these investigations, and the unlikely event that any of these FBI investigations of Biden and his son go anywhere, we're going to have to pull this quote out again where he says uh, that no one is above the law. So we'll have to hold him to the fire on that. And by the way, they're pushing this legislation, um, uh, which is honoring the memory of George Floyd. And they're saying that it's time that Congress act on this, that Congress do something. Well, you know, Joe was in the Senate for nearly 50 years, 47 years I believe is what it was, but close to 50 years. I think that's an awful lot of time to introduce legislation to change uh, the police departments and have police reform, but uh, interestingly he chose not to do anything about it until until now, right? Um, Biden goes on to say that, that uh, people of color just don't have to lose their life just for living their life. And he was giving those examples of, you know, going to the grocery store, going to school, and and you lose your life just because you're coming home. Well... That's not so much true either, is it, Joe? Because in each one of these cases, to include George Floyd, by the way, who was being arrested because he committed a criminal act, I mean, that's not in dispute. This is not a guy that was just going to the grocery store or coming home from the library after doing his thesis research. This is a guy that was committing a crime. And all of the other cases, in fact, all of the other cases that you can think of where people have lost their lives... It was because they were engaged in criminal activity. They were not just simply going about their lives. They were actually harming others before they were involved in a situation uh, where their action caused an officer to take a, have a reaction and then use deadly force. Now, that's not the case. I'm not justifying the, the um, George Floyd case. I'm saying in all of the other cases in, in recent time, that's the case of, of what happened with them. And so... Listen to this. So, this is, we're really getting to the heart of what Biden wants and Harris wants and where the liberals are going to go because he says some pretty interesting things here. And for those of you that listen to my good friend Frank Reynolds' uh, podcast, Lies People Tell, you'll be familiar with um, how people use words and you have to listen very closely to what people say. He said that state and local governments need to step up, and so does the federal government. So what that means is this is the pretext that Biden is going to be using to say that the state and local governments aren't doing enough, therefore the federal government needs to step in and take over because they want central- centralized control of police forces. That's really where he's going with that. So he said state and local governments need to step up and so does the federal government. And then he goes on, we need the Congress to act on police reform. So he's going to try to reform police departments by way of having the federal government heavily involved in what state and local police departments do. Um, and he said that we should not have to take a whole year to do this. So what he's talking about is speeding this whole process up, and I think that's because the Democrats realize they have gone so hard left that they must act quickly on this and very quickly on this, or else after 22, after the midterm elections, they're not going to have any chance at all. And so they need to act quickly on this. And he says, we need to change the hearts and the minds of all people. Again, very Marxist of him to say that. But that's exactly what they're doing through social media, through television, through cable, through radio, banning of uh, parlor, banning of rumble, um, banning of people like myself. They have to eliminate our voices and then get more of their voices out there to uh, get to, to really change the hearts and minds of the people. And he said that those are... those. There will be those that will try to stop the march forward towards justice. So who's he talking about? He's talking about you and I. He's talking about those that will try to, be, try to stop the march towards justice. That's code for that. And he says, Our work is not done. We have a chance to change the trajectory of this country. So listen to that very, very carefully. He says, Our work is not done. We have the chance to change the trajectory of this country. And folks, I'll I'll tell you where I think that comes from. I think that comes directly from Barack Obama. Because Barack Obama was always talking about the change of the United States, restructuring the United States, changing the trajectory of the United States. Folks, he just laid out to you in that speech, after George Floyd's death, he laid out to you what the Democrat plan is. It is to change the trajectory of the United States. It is to reform the police, and it's going to be a pretext for federal control of state and local police forces. Can you mark more words on that? Because you have, and, and they are, uh, from here on out, every single use of force situation that results in a death in the United States, if it involves a black Suspect and a white officer, it's going to be at this level. It will be treated at this level. It will be more proof of systemic racism. And that's what the plan is federalizing police forces, taking control. And folks, I can tell you right now, police officers are leaving the profession in droves. By the time I retired, everybody I worked with could not get out of the organization fast enough and police officers are leaving and no one's being recruited if you don't like if you if you are unhappy with policing the way it's done now if you're one of those people if you're in that camp i can assure you that you're really not going to like the quality of policing 10 years from now we are doing irreparable damage to law enforcement and notice that biden harris never give you a plan as to what they plan on doing with police departments. But I can tell you this, they have no idea what they're doing. They don't solicit opinions from people like me or those that have been in this profession. They do not solicit any input from us. And they have no clue what they're doing, but they are destroying the system. The greatest legal system on planet Earth, they're destroying it, and they're doing it at breathtaking speed. So folks, I just wanted to give you that feedback, and I think that there was a lot packed into that speech that he gave that will give you an idea of where we're heading as a country, and folks, we've got to get involved. Please, please, please do not get burned out by all of this. Stay involved, because we have to preserve liberty and justice in this country, But these people are on the move to take it away from us. So with that, this is the Mark Vine Show. Good to see you guys. Give me a like, give me a follow, follow me on Facebook. I'm also on Parlor. I'm on Twitter, and I'm on uh, Rumble and you know what the dreaded Facebook for now anyway but guys you take care and we will see you soon